You're obviously a drug addict. I took a lot of Xanax and cocaine, alcohol, heroin, phenobarbital, methadone, weed, dope, acid. We are going around getting high doing our thing. If you are on drugs right now, I don't have a judgment call about that, do you? Absolutely not. Chris is a total bottomed out junkie, alcoholic, drug fiend, and I am a drug addict myself. And I'm so grateful to be able to uh, talk about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. What's wrong with you, reckless druggies? This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our very good friends at Aloe Recovery, located in sunny Southern California, down in Silver Lake and Malibu and somewhere in Western Los Angeles. Our good friend Bob Forrest had a vision and he and his friends Evan, Jared and Bob created a facility to treat addicts and alcoholics with compassion and connection rather than control. They have many decades of experience in treating addiction and alcoholism and co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness, and they want to help you to get well. They have amazing amenities, including the sound bath meditation, the equine therapy, the sweat lodge, the fucking surfing. They do it all out there. And if you're willing to uh, give it a shot, I heard their detox is like the most comfortable detox I've ever heard of. I have friends that have been there. They swear by aloe. If you're willing to go to sunny Southern California and you're all fucked up and you want to get better, I highly suggest going to aloe. This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our great friends at Soberlink. Soberlink knows that somebody cares about your recovery. Unfortunately, relapse is so common, especially when it comes to alcohol, because it is widely available and highly prevalent in many social settings. That's why having the accountability and a deterrent from drinking is so important for staying sober. Soberlink has been empowering and helping people with alcohol use disorder since 2011 and is trusted by hundreds of treatment facilities. The Soberlink system consists of a portable handheld device that documents proof of sobriety in real time, keeping you connected to your family, friends, sponsor, treatment professionals, recovery coaches, or anyone else who may worry about your well-being. As an exclusive offer to our listeners, you go to soberlink.com slash dopey, mention dopey, and save 50 bucks off your device. Do it for that someone who cares. Let Soberlink help you to stay off the sauce. We have a new sponsor at Dopey. Our new sponsor is called Clean Living Apparel, and this show is brought to you by Clean Living Apparel. Clean Living Apparel was created by John G. His mission to create NA-inspired addiction recovery style t-shirts, hoodies, and other cool gifts 
uh, to make the everyday recovering addict happy. John started designing and selling shirts about three years ago after traveling around the country, going to NA conventions with friends, and never finding anything that fit his style. So he decided to change all that and hopefully make some shirts that we could wear out in public and not break our anonymity. Go to cleanlivingapparel.com. Use the promo code NARocks, N-A-R-O-C-K-S, and save some money. That is cleanlivingapparel.com. It's the perfect gift for every recovering addict in your life. If you don't know what to get, a junkie or crackhead or coke fiend who is in recovery, go to cleanlivingapparel.com and buy him a new hoodie or a new t-shirt. And last but not least, most importantly, this show is brought to you by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation through Patreon. Go to www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast and support the show. This week on Patreon, I did a video, a reaction video to the Many Saints of Newark Soprano trailer. Check it out. Any help you can give is incredibly helpful to the show. We also have tons of gear. We have shirts and we have hoodies, and we have tank tops, all available at dopeypodcast.com. I still have some dopey trucker hats. If you want them, hit me up on Venmo. I also have new stickers coming in, so look for that. And also, in a second, it's Dopey Day. Just stay tuned. Information about Dopey Day is coming soon. Enough with the ads and announcements. Here's the fucking show. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And my name is Dave. And it's a thrill to have the great Skinny Vinny back on Dopey. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. It's uh, This is number two, man. I'm stoked for this. A, a lot of I, I was telling my manager and a couple of friends that I was going for number two, and everybody was stoked for me. So thank you. Not only is it number two, it is number two with Danny Trejo. The cat's Dude. out of the bag. Danny Trejo the is cat, on this episode. Yeah. The cat is out of the bag, and just just to be a part of a Danny Trejo, anything Danny Trejo does is like legendary to me because Danny Trejo is a real one. So if if I'm attached to something with Danny Trejo's name on it, dude, I, I, that's a win in my book. What a great man I have been to to attach you to the great <laughs> Danny Trejo. I feel very, I'm feeling very good about myself for this moment. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Uh, we we actually put out a quick little snippet of Danny Trejo on Dopey on Instagram this afternoon. I didn't even know that we had put it out. Like my the guy Alec who does the video stuff put it out, and I was like, "This motherfucker is releasing it too soon." And then everyone was so happy, and he's like, "Dude, that's a tease." And I was like, "Oh, yeah. right, a tease." I was like, "That's what people yeah. do. They right? Is that what people do?" Yep, that's what they do, man. I, I've done it a bunch. See, I should tease more often. I should. You teased yesterday. I don't tease at all. I want to. I like. I can't handle it. I, I like. My brain explodes. But th- I want to tell you this weird, funny story that happened yesterday. Okay. Uh-huh. It was in the morning, and I get a, an Instagram story shared with me. Okay, and the Instagram story it was a picture of a bathroom, and it said it's a nice looking bathroom, like a very tidy, clean bathroom. And they wrote uh-huh. in the picture, I knew I'd relapse in this bathroom as soon as I saw it. Okay. And uh-huh. I, and I thought that was really funny. 
You know, I thought that was a joke. It does look like a nice bathroom. I could imagine. I've gone into a lot of bathrooms over the past five and a half years and said, wow, this is a, a decent bathroom to relapse in. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. As far as yeah. bathrooms go, you know? Yeah, that's it's funny because back in the day when I was uh, still partying and running and I, I, I would have, besides my porta potty, I would have um, all these certain places, like these, these really handpicked places that I would make sure that I would, that I would use their bathrooms. So they would get high either because they were either clean or big or the, the stalls were big enough for me to just fucking nod out in, you know, or, or they weren't getting used a lot. So I wouldn't be bothered. So I had, I had like four or five different bathrooms picked out for my day. Absolutely. You know a good bathroom to, to shoot open from a bad bathroom. It's real. Oh, absolutely. Just smell and cleanliness. You're like, you feel like I have a good life. You know what I mean? If you're, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're using in a decent bathroom, the quality of your, the quality of your life is better. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so I posted on Instagram stories and I went about my day and I guess I wasn't like, you know, often I'm all in my phone, but I wasn't all in my phone yesterday and at the end of the day, I looked, I, I got a text from someone and they were like, are you okay? Did you relapse? And I was like, oh, no. no. And then I go into Instagram and I got, I got a bunch of messages from a bunch of people who were sure that I, I relapsed. No. Because of that picture. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I thought that was a joke. And then I checked back in with the person and they had relapsed in that bathroom. Jesus. So like, isn't it, isn't it just like, it's so funny, the line and it's not funny. It's crazy what we live with. You know what I mean? Like that. And especially like, cause I'm trying to make recovery or addiction funny or whatever. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. anybody who's in recovery tries to make it funny. Right. Yes. Yes. There's, that's all. I mean, obviously it's, it's a very serious topic, but for somebody like myself who has made it through those dark times and uh, there's nothing that I like more than is to try. I I could only laugh at myself. You know, like I I think back at some, like a lot of the things that I've done in the past and I'm just, and I, and I laugh, I'm like, dude, what the fuck was I thinking? You know, like there are some things that I can't, I can't even imagine. Like it it all seems like a, like a, like a bad dream that, and and all I can do is just sit back and laugh, you know, and and be grateful that I'm not in that position anymore. Right. And it's like, and and I I have to just say this because it happened. It's like Chris would be on the show and he would Mm -hmm. tell stories about like having multiple syringes full of Coke and, and, and shooting them while he was driving at the red light. Mm -hmm. Or like that he would mm-hmm. shoot coke in one arm and his friend would hit him in dope in the other arm. And I think he called them like mm-hmm. whammo jammas or something. Like, oh my God. I know, I know. And it was really... I'm actually surprised I've never thought of that. I know. It's like, <laughs> right? It's what, a, it's what a crazy thing. And like, and of course, we know that Chris relapsed and he died. And, and yet mm-hmm. it's still, I mean, the concept is still funny, but it's a thin line. And it's like when I saw the picture of the bathroom and it said, this is the bathroom, you know, that I'm okay to relapse in or whatever. I, I literally laughed out loud. And then it turned out yeah. it was this guy's misery. And I talked to him later in the day and he's going through it and he had been clean for a couple of years and he had a lot mm-hmm. of stress and he wound up using, and now he's starting over again. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's just, it's crazy how something can be so serious or so funny at the same time. <laughs> 
right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's definitely a fine line. And Dopey Nation, I, I would love to get your take on this. So if you have anything you'd like to add, please email us at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. And uh and you joined the Dopey Nation, Van, and you were on the Dopey Patreon Zoom. It's very nice to have yeah. you aboard the team. Yeah, it was it was fun. Um I was I was at work when we did the Zoom and that was a lot of fun. I was literally handing out pickles and crackers to my clients. And uh and I I like being a part of uh, a community like that. And it's just it's it's refreshing and it, it um it makes me feel it it reminds me that I'm not alone. It's just like going to a meeting, you know? It, it just it re- reminds me that I'm not alone and I'm not the only one going through this shit even with a few years under my belt. I know what you mean. And let me ask you this. I, I've been to a lot of detoxes and a lot of treatments. I think I've had people give me crackers. I know they've given me cookies <laughs> and fruit that's not that great, but no one's ever given me pickles. Is that a Dude, normal the- thing? <laughs> I've never seen it before. And these pickles, they weren't like normal little pickles. These were the giant pickles. I know. How does that even happen? What is that? I, 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 think, I think that date was supposed to be... Uh, uh, like honey buns and, and something else, but they ran out of those and they were just like, just give them whatever is there. And the only thing that was there was pickles and crackers. <laughs> wow. That, that, I mean, yeah. like, I'm sure a lot of people were psyched to get the pickles and the crackers. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, go, but going back to the Dopey nation, man, it's, uh, um, I also joined the Facebook page and, uh, um, nice. And- hold on, hold on. <laughs> All right, keep going. <laughs> and uh, um, and, and I, dude, I've, I've been getting nothing but love from after our, our last episode aired. And man, it's it's I, I appreciate it more than anything. Um, that last episode, I really let it all on the table, and um, I've gone deeper than really I've ever gone before on any other podcast. And um, it was like a it was like a breath of fresh air. Well, I appreciate that. And before you say another word, Dopey Nation, if you didn't listen to the Skinny Vinny episode, go back and listen to it because the the crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. You know, the other thing that just happened, I forgot, is I went to the dentist to get my teeth cleaned because my teeth Mm -hmm. were disgusting. And I sat down in the chair and I thought of you and uh, a hygienist comes up to me and I said, listen, I'm not letting you touch my teeth without a $5 fatty in the first place. Um, and she said, she said, I can't give you nitrous. And I said, okay, yeah. I said, okay, just clean, my, just clean my teeth. Anyway. Yeah, man. It's, uh, like the hundreds of people DM'd me and, um, just showed me crazy amount of love. And, and it's funny because I read that letter that I sent to that girl on that episode. And it was like, it was like the hot topic. Everybody was, on the edge of their seat, wondering what happened and what came from that, whether if they, they were asking me if I actually sent it or if I did send it, did I get a response? And the answer to that is no, I did not get a response. <laughs> and, uh, and you, you know, I, you would think, and this is how I thought too, that I, I thought maybe I'd get some sort of closure from it, but then my, my brain starts going in all these different directions of like, Oh, maybe, maybe I wrote the address wrong. Maybe I didn't put enough stamps on it. Maybe, maybe, uh, it got lost in the mail. Uh, like that letter was, it was just too genuine and too, and too heartfelt and, and too 
real for her just not to even acknowledge it, you know, um, which is pr- probably not the case. She probably read it and probably wanted nothing to do with it. Or she probably saw it and noticed it was my handwriting and, and fucking threw it out. It, it could be so many different things. You don't you know. know. And, you have no idea what happened. You know? <laughs> no, no idea. Yeah. And no, um, and the only way, <laughs> the only way you can find out is if you called her. Yeah, I know. I know. And I, I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, because a lot, a lot has happened since that last episode, man. I, I, me and Kyler, we took a trip to LA. We um, met up with Steve-O and um, Steve-O is doing this stunt where he's making a, a human Sasquatch suit out of pubic hair. So uh, I, I shot Steve a text and I was like, hey, man, I'm driving 20 hours from Texas just to be a part of this history. <laughs> and uh, he's like, dude, you're insane. Do not drive 20 hours. And I was just like, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I need to be a part of it. So we drove 20 hours, met up with Steve. We we donated our pubes and, and body hair, and uh, and gave it to Steve, and and had a lot of fun. And um, he he invited us back to his warehouse. He showed us how his whole merch uh, game goes, and we had dinner with him. What's um, what is Steve O like? He he's he's very he's very driven. Like when he has an idea, he fucking goes for it. You know, like, um, for example, this Bigfoot Sasquatch Yeti costume out of human hair. Yeah. And this was very like it was like improv. You know, he's just like all of a sudden he came up with an idea and he's like, oh, hey, this is this, this is what I need to do. This is how I'm going to be able to get all these pubes to make it happen. So he he took his podcast van and parked it up by the beach and posted it on his Instagram. And uh, hundreds and hundreds of people showed up. And when I got there, I was there was a huge line. And and I get there and I, I start filming and I'm just like, dude, I'm not sitting in this line just to shave my pubes. So I just start walking walking up front, and uh, and they they saw me and they're like, yo, dude, come come up. And so we just hung up. Uh, we hung out for a while. We donated our pubes and hold on. I saw out. them. I saw them shave your chest and your uh-huh. back. Did they shave uh-huh. the the testes as well? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And who handled the testicles when they shaved them? Oh, dude, Steve. Oh, my goodness. Why didn't you put that on Instagram? I can't put that up. <laughs> now, now, now Steve-O, he's a notorious movie star, skateboarder, stunt, video mm-hmm. maker, comedian. He's also in recovery, and he's on the, the yeah. horrible Dopey wish list. And I'm convinced that he refuses to come on Dopey because he's a closet anti-Semite, and he knows that it, Dopey's too <laughs> Jewish of a place for him but is it is it uh like do you ever talk recovery with him um i do every once in a while he um back when i first uh when we first met you know we i met steve through zach and um he took us to he took us to a private meeting um it was like one of those invite only meetings and it was it was very strange it was uh in this like huge mansion up in the uh it was Mountain like Hill. him, Robert Downey Jr., Trey, yeah, Trey from Fish, yeah. fucking. Yeah, yeah. It was very, uh, like, big names, elite people. Um, Did you and, tell your stories? Just, Did you tell the stories? No, no. I was very, dude, I was only, like, maybe six months sober at the time, so I was still very um, new and fresh. And was and being from six months, dude, six months before that, I was still homeless, and then all of a sudden I'm in a... a mansion in the Malibu Hills. Did you share? Did you share no, I, that you lived I, I in a porta potty? No, no. Oh that, my God. Not that meeting. 
Dude, yeah. you would have killed it. It would have been incredible. I know. I know. I know. And I, I, I don't think I said one word that meeting. Right. Um, I, I was just, I was just in awe, you know, I was just very, um, taken back by where the fuck I was and how I got there. Oh yeah. And, um, and then, uh, and uh, we've gone to a couple of meetings with him that year and, and then it just, it, it built into this like pretty cool friendship, you know, which still blows my fucking mind to this day. Well, I think that's awesome. And does he know though, does he know how crazy your stories are? Um, yes, he knows. He, he knows. And, um, he, I don't, I don't think he knows how deep and how, how bad it gotten, but he knows, like he knows the porta potty thing and he knows that I'm a gnarly heroin addict. And, um, I've, I've, I've told him stories of like, I used to shoot dope and, and smoke oxys while I, I was watching his, uh, documentary to the, uh, Steve-O rise and demise. Um, what did he say to that? He just started laughing. <laughs> I think you should send you know? him a link, a link to the to the dopey that you're on, and say that anti semites are welcome too. <laughs> we don't discriminate. We really don't. Vaccinated, unvaccinated, uncircumcised, circumcised. We don't yeah. care. Everybody's welcome. Um, yeah. So what else? So you you fucking you shaved your your entire body. Has it grown back? Yeah. Uh, most of it has. Yeah. Wow, you're a very yeah. furry character though. Oh, dude, I'm hairy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, then and then uh, I went and saw my boss from Senate City. We we got to go to his new house. He just bought a brand new, huge fucking house in in Studio City, I think it is. And and then um, I got to see. I went to some meetings out there, and um, and then we drove back to Texas. And my one of my one of my bros down here, he just really had a. Um, a mental breakdown and, and he, he, he's been very depressed these last few months and really couldn't snap out of it. And he ended up leaving. And, um, and it was very, it was really hard for me not to, um, to be resentful and, and catch resentment inside it because of all the money that I have spent and, and investing in us and trying to make things happen. And, um, at first it was really fucking hard. And of course I was angry and sad and all I mean, roller coaster of emotions um, but then after a few days, I, I started to accept what, uh, what was going on. And, and at the end of the day, I just, I love him and I just want him to be- get better. And, um, so he can like reach his full potential, you know, like that's and why he I can be him. part of your, your mission. Cause he was a big part uh, of your team. Where did he go? He, he, he went back home to Salt Lake city and, and it's, it's crazy. It's funny that you say that because he was the, like, it was him and Zach and, and, and the other two stupid, um, the rest of the two stupid crew that did it for me. You know, they, they welcomed me with open arms and they allowed me to, to be their videographer and film them. And, and that was the biggest thing for me because I've always wanted to be a part of a crew like this, you know? And, um, so now that like, I, like, I, I'm kind of in a better situation than him mentally and, and financially and, um, so I, I, I try to do everything in my power to help whoever the fuck I can, you know? Right. And, but they, like, it, and, and you know, this, it's that, like, nothing's going to change unless they want it to change or, or if like they, they get better mentally. Right. And, There's nothing um, you can do except be yeah. supportive and be like, you know, offer some nice words, but it's the only way anybody does anything is if they actually do anything. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 it was hard because I, I, 
I'm paying all the bills. I'm, I'm putting food in the kitchen and I, I'm, I'm making stuff happen with the podcast, like reaching out to big name guests and making it happen. And, um, and it just felt like I was the only one that was, that was doing, that was doing anything. And, um, so it was hard for me to, to not be resentful, but after, after I, I, I meditated and prayed about it and talked to a few people about it, it, it got a lot easier as the time went by. And then I just started to really think what my, what my plan was for the next year. And I decided that it, I just need to be back in LA with the sober living that me and Tom are going to be opening up. And these projects I got coming up with Zach and, and, and LA just, my whole sober network is in LA. So it it just makes sense for me to, for me to be in LA for the next couple of years. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm going back. I, I, I'm leaving, I'm leaving Texas in three weeks. Well, we know that you moved to Texas for the girl in the first place. So it's uh, like, it, if, if, no, no, come no. on, come on, Vin. Come no, on. no, no. It, it definitely played a part. It 100% played a part, but my dream of and idea of owning a ranch came before her. Sure. But when she came in the when she came in the picture, it just like it like it sealed the deal. I'm like, okay, this is where I want to be. This is where I need to be. You know. Um, totally. Yeah. That that definitely played played a major part in it. But it wasn't the whole. It wasn't the whole. Reason. No, of course not. But 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 like the great sober theme. Like we rarely have a sober theme on Dopey. But the great sober theme of the episode, it's the new sober theme of my life, is, yeah. is, is moderating expectations and trying yeah. to find acceptance. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like accepting that dude and, 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 and being like, I, and you had crazy expectations. I mean, dude, last time we were on the phone, he were, Vinny was in like this studio with neon lights that said moist cheeks and fucking leather print and microphone shit. And like you were a hundred percent in, which is like expectations off the charts. Right. Yeah. I, I, but I think my expectations are, are so high because I know what we're all capable of doing. Listen, you know? and, and I think you should have hopes and dreams. It's just a matter of not letting expectations burning you down. Right. Absolutely. And that's, and that's where, that's the area that I need improvement in. Like I, I need to be able to let it go if something doesn't meet my expectations and be okay with failing and being okay with trying to build something and, and it not happening when I wanted it, when I wanted it to, you know, it's, it's a, it's definitely been a, a huge learning experience and I'm trying to justify this whole thing, this whole, like, dude, I'm, I'm in the whole 40 grand, you know, I, I'm trying to justify like, okay, maybe it wasn't such a bad idea because like the, the past six months, I've, the past five, six months I've been down here, I've, I've lost a ton of weight. I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm mentally, physically, probably the best I've ever been. You know, I'm happy and I, I'm, and I'm very motivated and I'm hungry and, uh, and I really see something happening for us. And maybe, maybe I needed this without all the distractions of Los Angeles or a major city. And, you know, and, um, so it's like, it's like the silver lining kind of thing. Totally. And, and regardless of what you might've needed or what you didn't need, this is what happened and you're making yeah. the best of it. And like, yeah. And I think that's really the other great lesson is like, and I hate to be a lesson maker or lesson giver or <laughs> preaching kind of guy, but like living with what you get, making the best of it, trying to have fun, learning, 
you know, doing all this spiritual and and fucking physical work and like learning the craft. It's all, it's all part of it. And like, I have to. No, absolutely. And, and, and it's like, this is the first place I've ever, like, I've, I've never had a house to myself. You know what I mean? Like the, the last three years of sobriety, like the first three years of sobriety, I I was in a sober living the whole time. Before that I was homeless. Before that I was couch surfing. Uh, Like, uh, and uh, I was couch surfing pretty much my whole twenties. And, and then in my teens, I was still at home. So I've never really had a place to myself. And then I think me coming out here to the middle of fucking nowhere and, and me actually surviving and not just surviving. I, I like, I've been kind of thriving. Like I found a great job right off the rip, like totally. a job in reco- job in recovery. Um, I, I, I was able to do this podcast and, and make something special really happen, even though it was only eight episodes. Um, but th- that just shows me that like I'm capable, no matter where the fuck I'm going, no matter where I live, I'm capable of making something happen. And to that, to me, it just, it shows a lot of growth, personal growth. And, um, and I'm, I'm happy with it. You know, I'm okay. Here, hold on. <laughs> I applaud you. No, I think that it's right on. And I think that's the way to look at it. You know, you're young, yeah. you're hungry and you're making shit happen. And, um, yeah. and I had like basically expectations and, uh, acceptance issues around this episode. You know, I want, I want, I want, I want to tell you the, the, the terrible Danny Trejo saga. And it's, of course, it's ended in the beautiful moment of having Danny Trejo on the show, but the saga was, it's a classic kind of dopey fucking thing where when we started making the show, we had a list of guests we wanted to have. And, uh, and Danny Trejo was always on like the top of the list. He's, you know, now he has 53 years clean. He was a heroin addict growing up in, you know, in uh, Pacoima, California. He did time in L.A. And he was obviously in all of the best uh, TV shows, Breaking Bad, Sons of Anarchy. Mm -hmm. He was in Desperado, all these movies, fucking uh, uh, Machete, fucking Spy Kids. And he was he's one of us. You know, he's, he's got 53 years. And Chris was like, I would love to get this guy on. And, and we would kind of hit him up and never hear back. And then I found his agent and I would hit her up and she would write me back. And I was like, cool. And she was, she would just keep it going. And then I kept writing her and, um, and she, he had a cookbook for his tacos come out. And I was like, I was like, how about if you come on dopey and talk about your tacos? And she was like, I don't think that really fits. I'll write back when something comes up that fits. And I just wrote, I'm so happy you wrote, wrote me back. That's great. <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then I kept writing her and I never heard back from her again. And then out of nowhere, I'm like doing something else. I get an email from another person who handles publicity for the, the publishing company that put out his book. And she's like, Oh, have you ever considered having Danny Trejo on the show? And I was like, yes, I have. And, uh, and, and, and that was like in March. And she was like, well, I think over the summer you could get a date. And I was like, great, get me a date. And, uh, she was like, how much time do you want? And I was like an hour. <laughs> and she's like, I'll give you, I'll give you 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, 40 minutes. And she said, I'll, I'll give you 30 minutes. And I said, okay. And, uh, we took the 30 minutes and I, and I had had so many technical issues with the video aspect of dopey. And I figured Danny Trejo was such a big movie star that I wanted the video shit to work. So I got this app 
called Riverside FM. And, uh, and I was worried that the Wi-Fi in my house wasn't good enough. So I had a friend give me his art studio to use. And I, and I wound up lugging down all of my equipment. My, I had no car, so I carried all of the equipment down like a donkey in the fucking 99-degree <laughs> Long Island heat. And uh, I set everything up. I didn't have a phone number or an email or anything. And me and Danny started the interview and it was a little bit intimidating. You know, the dude is yeah. like fucking machete, you know, yeah. fucking stone cold, you know, L.A. guy, whatever, <laughs> serious movie star and, and scary guy, intimidating guy. Uh, uh-huh. But then, of course, as soon as I got comfortable, the fucking Wi-Fi cut out. So it cut out like 20 times in the interview. So Dopey Nation uh. just I think we put together something very special. You know, you yeah. listened to it. Didn't you think it was good? I did, dude. I, I thought it was good, man. Um, are you just saying that? Are you just worried about no, my self-esteem no. here? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I really thought it was good, man. It's, I mean, it's fucking Danny Trejo. And everything he does, I, I'm literally, like, very captivated and very, uh, very entertained. And I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was bad at all. Well, that doesn't sound. You're supposed to say it's amazing. I don't think it's bad at all. You, you actually, <laughs> no, you actually wrote me back and you said it's amazing. I think is what you wrote back. I, I think, yeah, I think I did say that. All right, now <laughs> before we get to Danny Trejo, I have a question for you, which is, yeah. what interferes with your happiness? Um, what interferes with my happiness? Yes. Oh, I think. Uh, I don't know, man. That's a, that's a tough one. I, 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 I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm still dealing with and learning how to deal with expectations and, 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 um, and trying not to be so codependent. And like, I, I, I always find myself very lonely. Um, even, even if I'm in a, in a room full of people, I feel lonely and it's, it's weird. It's a, it's a very strange feeling. Benny, you're going to fucking break my heart here. I was I just I just wanted to do the BetterHelp.com commercial. You, you, I think you need. So what are we gonna do about this? Would you consider BetterHelp.com or what are we gonna do? I would consider BetterHelp.com. I'm gonna tell you about BetterHelp.com. Okay. You may be feeling down. Da- this sounds like it's perfect for you. You may be feeling down and out and depressed, or like you're at a total loss. But if your stress is high. Your temper can be shorter than usual. And even if you're starting to feel strain in any of your relationships, you could probably use the chance to unload. Unload the stress and get it out. Talk to someone who's completely unbiased about your life, someone who isn't going to judge you or take sides on anything. Doesn't that sound good? That sounds great, but please, Dave, tell me, because Lord only knows that I've been struggling with money lately. So please tell me if there's a promo code that I could use to get 10% off. Of course there is. Uh, the po- Dopey podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Dopey listeners get ten percent off their first month at BetterHelp.com. Here, I'm serious. You get better. You get ten percent off the first month at BetterHelp.com/slash Dopey Podcast. That's better. That's B E T T E R H E L P dot com slash Dopey Podcast. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. 
It's better so HE. Yes, keep telling. So, so, so you're telling me that I can do all this in the comfort of my own home. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to get in my car and drive miles and miles and miles and deal with the embarrassment of walking into a lobby with other people in the waiting room just to see a therapist. No. I can do this all in the comfort of my own home. No, but you actually, you were pretty sincere that maybe this could be good. Maybe, maybe, maybe I, therapy could be, can unlock the, uh, the loneliness. Maybe that's, I, I, I'm definitely willing to try it. So last time, just go to better If you want to save 10%, uh, put dopey podcast. So B E T T E R H E L P.com slash dopey podcast. Vinny, please try it. Don't just give it a shot. I, I'm definitely going to give it a shot. And more importantly, here is the great Danny Trejo. And it's kind of like I'm over the moon. We have a superstar, a film superstar, a television superstar, a junkie superstar, but most importantly, a recovery superstar. Danny Trejo, welcome to the show. What's up? Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Dude, I got your book. I have it here. I read it from cover to cover. I watched your documentary, Inmate One. I heard you on Howard Stern. I heard you on DJ Vlad. Um, I'm moved to pieces to have you on the show. So thank you so much for coming through. Yeah, thank you, man. I love Howard Stern. I live for Howard Stern. (laughs) I live for Howard. He's my hero. And um, it's funny, when when we wanted to do the show for years and years, my partner, Chris, who wound up dying, uh, he, he, he did, he's from Boston, but he did some time in L.A. He, he, like, did two years in prison in L.A., and he was not built for it. And we always imagined you coming on the show with Chris and, and getting into it around prison in Los Angeles, but unfortunately it didn't get to happen. Um, your story is so crazy. You came up uh, pretty hard in, uh, in, uh, in Pacoima, which I know from La Bamba. From Richie Valens, yeah. <laughs> and uh, man, that movie affected me. And uh, and when I started reading your book, I can imagine it just from the movie and the story of Richie Valens. And um, it said what you said in the book is you started smoking weed at eight. Is this possibly uncle, true? Yeah, I had an uncle. I had an uncle turn me on to weed when I was eight years old. So, and uh, it's funny because I never thought I was like. Child abuse, I never thought it was abuse. And then somebody said, well, don't you think giving weed to an 80-year-old is abuse? I said, I thought it was sharing. You know, I didn't know it was, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't know it was abuse. Yeah. Would you say it's abuse now, though? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But in his defense, uh, you know, everybody that starts smoking weed always turns on cats, dogs, little brothers. I mean, it, it, you know, it's nine times out of ten, if if you've got an older sibling smoking weed, the younger one's going to start pretty quick, unless you know, unless you do some 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 serious uh, dike stopping or something. You know. Do you remember being eight years old and getting high? Yeah, I went berserk. I remember my my grandma was uh, was uh, mad at me because I was you know misbehaving, so she sent me out with my uncle to. They were out, him and two friends were out reading the Bible out in the front yard. And when I walked up to them, I, you know, I could hear. And so, you know, they were smoking weed, looking at the pictures in the big red Bible, you know. And they just said, all I heard was, let's get him loaded. And, 
you know, we, I got, I just got, then I started screaming through the house, you know. And it was a, uh, I got high. And your Uncle Gilbert was your hero, right? Oh, yeah, he was, he was the guy. I'm still in love with him. He passed away 20 years ago. I'm still in love with him. He was awesome. And uh, taught me everything I was to, supposed to know when, you know, growing up the way I grew up. And when you grew up, because you were a fan of cowboy movies and stuff, yeah. and he was obviously a criminal, did you not make the connection that maybe he wasn't a good guy? Or were you like, fuck it, he's so cool, he's a good guy? No, it was, but, you know, it wasn't the, it wasn't that he was a good guy or a bad guy. It was like he was just, uh, my, 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 my dad you know, and his brother, they came from a family of 11. They had 11 kids. So, but he was the youngest. So, it was kind of like, like they were all tired of having kids now, you know. And so he was. Me and him became. He was only six years older than me. So he was my uncle, but we became like brothers, you know. Nobody had enough time for me, but he did. And nobody you know had enough time for him too, right? You're right. You know what I mean? And so we were like, and, and so it was kind of like that's the one thing. That I always have for my kids is time. I don't give I don't give a shit what I'm doing. You know, nothing is more important than me having time for my kids. And and uh, you know, my mom, she was she was obsessed with making sure the house was clean and everybody got fed and and everybody's clothes were washed. And my dad was, you know, he was obsessed with making sure he got a pickup truck and a camper and a Cadillac and a home. You know, and. And Gilbert, he was just cool. You know, we were just, you know, we we got time for each other, you know. And and that's that's that was the biggest thing in my life is somebody had time for me. No, I and I get it. And also, just I saw pictures of him. He was obviously a super cool guy. It's like oh, obvious awesome. just to look at him. You set yeah. you get the picture. He was um, just sweet. Yeah, and so and, and you. You did dope for the first time at 12, which is yeah. like the craziest thing from an old yeah. glass syringe yeah. that your grandfather yeah. used for his diabetes, yeah. Yeah. Which, which is incredibly cinematic and crazy. And um, you, you wrote something in the book that I want to read because I think the audience is going to really appreciate it. I'm too excited to have you on the show that I'm, I'm not as professional as I'd like to be. <laughs> Here we go. Bam. When it hit me, the boogeyman was gone. The boogeyman was that feeling of regret about the past and fear about the future. Like a lot of addicts, I was full of myself while at the same time exploding with self-hatred. I'd feel remorse, then fear, then anger in that order. And sometimes I'd move through the first two in less than a second. My anger turned outward to blame. I would blame outside people, places, and things for the fucked up state I found myself in, never once taking a hard look at myself and taking responsibility for the situation I was in. All of these conflicting feelings would overwhelm me, and that's where heroin stepped in. Heroin was my escape hatch. It had been ever since I first used it at 12 to avoid the anger in my house. What a powerful way to describe addiction in general, but heroin specifically. You know, you know, my my my. Uh, I had a really <clears throat> violent, violent. I mean, like six brothers, seven brothers. You know, and and so competition, being tough, it, it, that was part of it. You know, and then and then it's like I can remember the women didn't work. The women, you, they were 
kind of subservient. In fact, I can remember if your if your wife worked and then we were at like a a picnic or something, and and I can remember the men going, Art, you want a beer? Oh no, wait, hold on. Hey Bonnie, can Art have a beer? You know because she worked. You know what I mean? And I can remember the humiliation of, and it was like I never understood it, but but that was that was the the way, you know, that was the way things were, you know, and my dad, I never thought my dad was abusive, I didn't know what abuse was, I thought, you know, him choking me was because I did something wrong, and so, you know, was he abusive? No, he was just, you know, because it wasn't, I don't know how to say it, it wasn't like I was the only kid that was being screamed at or grabbed, you know what I mean, that was the, that was, you know. It was the time, but it was still abusive. Right? Yeah, I know. I, I understand that, but I can remember when people said, "You know, were you ever abused?" Like, no. Well, you, you know, I mean, no. My uncle shared his weed with me. You know. And, and, but you Howard, know. I, when you were on Howard, Howard was like, "Your dad beat you. You were yeah. abused. How could he do that?" And you were trying yeah. to explain to Howard yeah. that that was the way. Yeah, the time it, it was. was. Yeah, you know, that's you screwed up. You know, and and that's what happens when you screw up. You know, so I would much rather, rather than my dad find out, I'd much rather the cops found out. Then you just go to jail. <laughs> no, I get it. And and I used heroin. I, when I read that passage way, that passage in the book, I, I could really relate to it because heroin was my escape hatch for yeah. fear and yeah. nervousness. And it gave me peace and it gave me yeah. confidence. And it made me, I just wanted to not give a fuck. And heroin right gave me the ability to it, not give a fuck. Yeah. It's, heroin puts it in the right here, right now. That's it. There's all there is. You know, and, and it's, it's, that's, the way, that's the way prison is. It's right here, right now. And whatever, you know, whatever comes down is going to come down. You describe in the book really good about how you were addicted to drugs and then you started doing robberies. Were the and then you became addicted to the thrill of the robberies, which oh, I love. Yeah. But was was the robberies driven to support the drug habit, or was it just part of the culture? You know what? You lose sight of what it is. You don't know whether you're doing robberies to support your drug habit or drugs to support your robbery habit. My uncle died. It was so funny. I remember him when we were, I was clean and sober. He came over to the house and he, he had like $8,000 in his pocket and he did a robbery that netted him like, you know, 60 bucks, you know. Uh, and it was like, you, you just do it because the, the adrenaline has gone down, you know. And I'm going to, you know, uh, Professional criminals, you know, that aren't drug addicts, they kind of plan things out and do this major thing. Drug addiction, it's, it's out of, uh, out of uh, necessity, you know. It's a, you know, right now, I got to need it right now. And I remember Eddie Bunker used to sell robberies, you know. He would, he would figure out a robbery and sell it to people. And, and, uh, that was like people would get away with something like that, you know, but but just coming up and like, you know, boom, right now, you don't know if the cops are passing by or not. You're still froze, Holmes. Am I frozen now? No, 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 you're all right now. I was hoping you'd call me Holmes at some point. I just hope it, I was hoping it wasn't <laughs> going to be because I fucked up. 
I don't know why the technical shit is so bad. It's like yeah. this was my big fantasy shit, and it's all fucked up. But yeah. that's about expectations, right? Yeah. That's the thing in my recovery now. My whole shit, my biggest problem is acceptance and expectations. I have to accept that this interview is all fucked up and that my expectations were off the charts and the gear is not cooperating. What's a sober way to think about this, Mr. Trejo? What do you think? I'm, I like the interview. I, you know, I'm, I, you know I, I'm not fucked up. Where uh, You're asking me the questions I'm answering them. I, I, just, uh, I just know it's going to come out awesome. That's a beautiful thing. You wound up in jail um, because you... That's another thing that I love that you wrote. Can I read you another thing that you wrote that I love? And you were basically... It was about how your Uncle Gilbert was was mentoring you in the streets and how to carry yourself. And to be a criminal, to be a tough guy, to be a junkie, to be a drug addict, you had to know how to do some shit. And you're talking about the power of crazy. And you say, that's the power of crazy. That's the power of being willing to go to a place unimaginable to your foes. But that kind of power comes with a cost. By exercising it, you reveal to the world the only place you belong is a state penitentiary. And, and, and do you think that's an addict thing, like the power of crazy, or is it a street thing? No, it's, or both. It's, it's definitely both. Definitely both. If you're from the streets, you know you got to do what you got to do. And if you're an addict, you have to do you know what you have to do, and you have to get drugs or be sick. You know. And how bad was your heroin habit before you went in? Well, I got to tell you something. The worst one I ever had was in Soledad State Prison. You know, I mean, I mean, we had a a little protection ring going. We were protecting this kid uh, who. Uh, whose father used to build airstrips for the cartels, you know, and uh, he would build them. He had a construction. He would just go in a, a federal room, just make a make a airstrip. And one day they'd land that night and, you know, bam. And so we were protecting his kids. So, you know, we had a free run of dope. And, I mean, we had so much dope. We were giving dope away instead of dealing. You know, and uh, We still dealt, but... But I think that's the worst habit I ever had. And, and, and that was one of the worst habits I ever kicked. I kicked it in a hole. And uh, I, I think, you know, people think, people think that, wow, if I only had all the heroin I could, I'd be, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, you have all the dope in the world and all it's going to do is kill you. You know, and now they're cutting that shit with fentanyl and they're just, you know, you're just dying, you know. And every shot, you don't know whether you're going to die or not. Totally. I mean, it's funny because, like, I can't even imagine that, that your worst habit was in prison where you have so much access. Was Is that common that somebody, because, like, in the street, how much can you really get? But when you're in prison, you're protecting people. I remember you were working a, a gym near the loading dock, so you had access to everything. Is that common that that people can get a worse habit inside than out? Well, you, you know what? Yes, 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 and no. It depends on whether you grew up in that prison or I mean, grew up in that genre or not. It's like the kid in college that is that is that has been there two years can really knows how this thing goes. You know what I mean? Well, the guy that's been in prison most of his life. Growing up, it's like, you know, he's got friends that work over here and friends that work over there. New kid coming in, 
got a tough road to hold. Definitely, definitely. And uh, I want to hear the story about how you got clean, but first I want you to tell the story about you and Dennis in the street before it all went down. You know, like like you get out of jail and you run into your the white boy Dennis, right? Yeah, yeah. And and you're doing. A, Dennis was almost like he looked like a little surfer kid. You know what I mean? And uh, and I met him on my way back to a halfway house in the middle of the night. I was drunk and uh, I I'd been sober about a hundred days or I think or something. Almost thirty days. No, I'm sorry. I've been sober twenty nine days. Because, you know, I realized I'm not an alcoholic. You know, I'm an addict. And, and uh, so I went into a bar. <laughs> I'm on my way home, and I, I see Dennis. I, I don't see him. I see this car coming down, you know, just crashing into the curb. And he stopped, and he starts screaming about, about uh, you know, the cops are after me. They're after me. And so I can tell this kid's, you know, he's hallucinating. Dennis, what's up? And Danny, oh, man, get in the car. And he got he's pill all these pills, red devils on on the on the car. He had a white tuck and roll carpet. So I had this beer, so we're like taking pills and drinking beer. And that was a Friday or yeah, it was Friday night. And Sunday we ended up crashed in North Hollywood Park. And Dennis kept yelling, you know, get the guns, get the guns, and and I look around and there's a shotgun and a pistol in the back seat. And I said, oh, shit, that's definitely a violation. You know, I'm on parole and I'm, on, I'm in a halfway house. And then he says, uh, uh, I, get to get, I go to get those guns. He goes, no, 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 the ones in the back, the ones in the trunk. And I thought, oh, shit, I go with that. There's like four different guns in the back of the hand grenade. Got them and we're like, okay, now. So we start running down. Magnolia Boulevard, and we're going to a guy named Richard Berry's house, and uh, uh, he's a drug connection, and we traded a bunch of guns for uh, for uh, some dope, you know, some heroin, and and, uh, and we were off and running then, you know, and, and when we got arrested, uh, I sold uh, four ounces of pure sugar to a federal agent, and. Uh, and when you say pure sugar, you mean pure sugar. Yeah, it yeah, was, Bunko. It was Dennis, bunko Dennis sales, had a yes. dude, right? He yeah, had a Dennis, dude. Dennis and brought this guy, and I didn't like him, and I knew it was fishy, but, you know, so I sold him I sold him the sugar. I figured, gee, what the hell? I can't get in trouble. And, uh, but, uh, God, man, you know, two hours later when the guy came back screaming, where's my money? You know, it was a, the Fed, and they beat me all the way to Federal Building in North Hollywood, all the way back, and uh, I remember seeing Dennis in jail like two or three times, and I knew we were okay. We went to the uh, attorney room. I didn't see him, and that scared me. You know, and, uh, and the next time I saw him, he was talking to the feds when I came out of the holding tank, and uh, he just kind of said, you have to say we sold him sugar, you know, you have to plead guilty to a sale in loot of narcotics or I'll testify that we sold him heroin. And you knew that the jig was up as soon as he did that. You knew you were fucked I when he did that. I tried to kill him, <laughs> yeah, but I didn't. And uh, I was just angry and, and I, I, uh, I, I went to prison and 
he, I almost felt sorry. The kids, the feds used him for you know, almost all the time I was in prison. And, and uh, he, uh, he was later found dead, he over, overdosed, you know, and, and uh, uh, that was, you know, I didn't do it. So, but uh, it was like, it was just a sad, sad time. I think you were. T- I think we were in the midst of of the end of the Dennis story, and I asked yeah. you if if you were if you were sober when you saw him in the end because he wasn't yeah. and he was dying. No, he was dying. Yeah, and well, and you know, it's like I uh, I swore to God I was going to kill him. You know, and when I when I picked him up and I seen that he was killing himself, it was like I just dropped him off. You know, I said, you know, Dennis, you. Call me if you want to get clean. You know, that's all I could say. I didn't, I didn't know what else to say. You know, and and uh, he had that 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 flesh eating shit. You know, it was like just really, it, you know, it smelled like rotten meat. And uh, and this was, this was a handsome kid. This was like a, you know, like a, he uh, was just like a little surfer pretty boy. You know, and and, and it was just sad that. The craziest thing to me is that, like, I understand why you would have hated him for what happened, but if that shit hadn't happened, you definitely wouldn't have gotten clean the way you got clean. I'd have been clean. dead. Exactly. I'd have been dead. I was begging people to kill me. Yeah. So I, I'm scared. Like, I'm sure you have to get off this thing in a second. We only had 30 minutes, and I used half of it fucking up the connection somehow. So you want to tell the story of how you got well. Like, how did you get off dope? Well, you know, first of all, you know, I got arrested. That that got me off a of dope that time. And the second time, I mean, the last time when I was in the hole, was a, there was a riot, and I went to the hole, and I, you know, I was, I was in the hole, and, and uh, that was that was that. And I knew, uh, I knew that I was either gonna die in prison or I was gonna, gonna, I was gonna like stop drinking and using. And it was that simple. It's not like a big, you know, it's like. Like we know, dope is killing us. Dope is killing people around us. Drugs and alcohol are like ruining our entire existence. And until we get them out of our lives, it's going to be the same thing. I ended up in a twelve-step pro- program, and and uh, I got to say, is like that. That's what saved my life. I knew about it, and I refused to. I refused to accept it, and you know, acceptance is the is the key to everything. So when I accepted the fact that I'm a drug addict, my life is unmanageable. I'm powerless over drugs and alcohol. When I accepted that, I was able to do something about it. And for me, it was the 12-step program of AA, the 12-step program of NA. It was believing in a higher power. I always kind of believed in God. I just thought he didn't like me, you know. And then, and then, uh, when uh, when I finally found a God that I understood, one that wasn't full of hate and resentment, you know, one that one that really wanted me to win, I, uh, you know, things started to change. This morning, I went to a meeting. I went to a twelve step meeting this awesome. morning, and uh, and they were, we read the Daily Reflection, and the Daily Reflection was about how our actions ripple out into the universe, and obviously since you've been doing this, your actions ripple out. 
you know, and, and, and it seems your whole movie career, like we didn't get to talk about all the movies you've been in. Obviously you've been in a million amazing movies and TV shows. And, um, I'm a great fan of your work, you know, your, your, your acting work, your movie work. But when I read this book and I read what you went through and I read what you do for other people, I'm such a fan of that work. Uh, when you got involved in working in recovery, like, why did you not stop doing that work when you're making money in movies and stuff? Because that work is part of my life. I still work for Western Pacific Rehab, Western Pacific Med Corp. And they, you know, I, 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 we help uh, uh, detox heroin addicts. And, and uh, uh, I do a lot of uh, uh, administrative, you know, I, we go to... Uh, uh, Sacramento a lot and Washington a lot and start working with you know with senators and stuff about passing stuff to like you know hey let's get drug addicts in in treatment rather than in prison you know because prison does nothing for a drug addict nothing and you know what if they took away if they if they if they took out uh, all the non uh, non-violent drug addicts out of prison, prison would drop like 70% or something. Right. You know, because there's guys in prison for possession, guys in prison for, you know, uh, paraphernalia. There's, and it's like, wait a minute, man. These guys ain't, they're not, they're not criminals. They're just, they're addicts. You, you understand? And it's, it's, a, it's a disease. You know, they're, they're afflicted with this disease of addiction. You know, sure. and, and, uh, it's hard to make the government understand that. Of course. Uh, when your kids showed up with problems, with the same disease you and I have, how did you deal with it as somebody who's supposed to be able to deal with it? You know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're Like, what do you do? I have two kids. Yeah. I, I have, a, yeah. I have a, a three-year-old and an 11-year-old. And my 11-year-old is showing signs that remind me of me, not drug addict me, of little kid me. And it still gets me a little worried. I, you, know, you know, for me, I had this unbelievable support system okay this unbelievable support system around me because a lot of times your kids can't hear things from you you know i took my kids to meetings so much that when my son smoked weed for the first time he said dad i felt like i slipped you know, mm. I mean? <laughs> you know? and so they knew about it so when when it came time for them to you know to, when they were at the end of their stuff they knew who to call, where to go, you know, and Mario Castillo. I, I always think God has a, a you know, he, I met Mario Castillo in 1991. You know, my kids were babies. And I, he, I was doing a movie called Blood In, Blood Out in San Quentin. He was in San Quentin, right? And we became friends and we, he came out and, 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 and started working in drug abuse and stuff. 10 years, 15 years later, when my son was using dope, I couldn't find him. I'd call Mario. Mario, hey, you know what? See if you can't find my cat. I don't worry. I'm, I'm worried about him. And Mario would find him, you know. And uh, my, my son, my son says Mario saved my life in his pitch, you know. And it's, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing how a connection you made in this weird random spot becomes the lifesaver down the road and it's like you can't take anything for granted um i just heard david crosby on the howard stern show like this week okay and crosby like 
he said, he said, and I love David Crosby and I'm not talking shit about his program or not program or whatever. He said this weird thing that I never heard anyone say. And I wanted to run it by you. You have 53 years clean. Okay. Right. And sober. He said, he said, I knew I could smoke weed when I stopped having drug dreams. He said, he said, when I stopped having drug dreams, I knew I was safe to smoke pot again. What do you think about that? Uh, you know, my head can tell me all kinds of stupid things. <laughs> and it's like every time I go out the backyard and I start working in my backyard and it's a hot day and I start to sweat, I, in the back of my mind I hear this song, but Weiser, la cerveza más fina, and it's like, would a bud go good? You know, it's like I am drug and alcohol free. And you know, it's like, and let me tell you something. I know I can't smoke weed. Do you understand? He's like, I, I know that for an absolute fact. Are you still there? Yes. Hello, he froze again. Motherfucker. Oh, we got time. Try to get him back. Can you get me? Yeah, now I got you. I'm so. And I, you know what? I know I can't smoke weed. Yeah, me too. Because you know, weed, weed doesn't do it. It's like weed gets me like, okay, now I'm high, giggly, giggly. Let's eat some, let's eat some chips. And then, you know, uh, why don't we try some heroin? You know what I mean? It's like, and so, you know, it was funny. It's like uh, I spoke at a uh, a meeting where there was nothing but convicts on their way out. And uh, I said, hey, they're getting ready to legalize weed. And a bunch of guys cheered. And I said, let me tell you what insanity is. Insanity is doing the same thing, expecting different results. Now, out of all you guys that just cheered about weed, how many of you started with weed? All of them did. All right? Yeah. Where did you end up? Is In the pen. Okay. Insanity is thinking you can do it again. You know? And it's like, I, you know, I know it. You know, I can't do it again. No, I get it. I, I have this weird bullshit jealousy. I love David Crosby. I, I have this weird bullshit reservation about being able to be an old stoner one day in the back of my mind. And it's fucked up, you know, but I, I, I still do everything. I know that I can't smoke weed like not alcoholically. I know that if I smoke weed, I'll smoke weed alcoholically. And I'm sorry this thing has been so botched up. I, I don't know. I blame you, but I'll blame myself. I'm sure it's my fault that the connections have gone so badly. Um, you're a miracle. I don't know when your next fucking interview is. Do you have a couple more minutes or should we say goodbye? All right, nice. Um, when you start becoming this uh, this film star and, and you have to play this bad guy when in reality your whole life is the next right thing, how do you align those two things? You know what What I do? It's, 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 I got to tell you this. is A director once asked me, Danny, how do you go from being insane killer to playing with your kids? I've watched you do that over and over again. I says, because I, I'm not that guy. Do you understand? These guys are acting. You know, I, I've been there. You know what I mean? I've been there. I don't like that guy anymore. So God killed that guy. So when I have to go back there and do that, it's like I want to get, I don't stay in character. I think that's silly. I get out of it and go grab a kitty or something, you know. And Absolutely. I think, and, and you described something else in the book where you talked about where Gilbert gave you a gun and said, rob me. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was your first acting lesson. And you're yeah. like, give me all your money yeah. or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And you realize that you had to put on this role. Like where does the, like when you know you're not doing it and you're playing with your kids and you're like, I'm done playing. But when you're doing it in the street or you're doing it in prison, is there a piece of you that says, I know I'm not, this is not me. Or are you a hundred percent? No. No, when, when when you get to the streets now, then all of a sudden that is you. You know, you become that 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 maniac. It's like the the, 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 the psychopathic trait that we all have that is that is dormant starts becoming real. You know, so I don't like playing those roles. I know how to do it, but I've done them I've done some of them to where afterwards I go to the bathroom and throw up. You know, because it's like it's purging that guy out of me again. You know, I mean, if you've if you've tried to if you've been in a fight and you're trying to bite somebody's juggler vein, it's like you have to get to a place in your head that is not is not uh, uh, healthy. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not healthy. You know what I mean? But but uh, I. uh, I, I, you know, it's so funny. It's like everybody says, well, you don't fight fair. I've never heard such a thing. Stupid. There's no such thing as a fair fight. Get a boxing ring. Yeah. You know, right. And then use the elbow. Right. I, I mean, I think for me, like, I never did real time. I did holding holding nights in fucking New York City. I never did real time. I, I was a terrible heroin addict, and I was a real, like, middle-class heroin addict. I would get someone to give me money, or I'd go steal something, and I never put myself in a situation that was like biting someone's jugular vein. And I always had it in the back of my head with, this is not right. This isn't going right. And when I finally got sober and I heard that word, uh, the genuine self, your, re- your truest self is going to come out. When you heard that, was it like, holy shit, what a, what a, a gift or whatever? Absolutely. I'm, I'm living a gift. I am living a gift, you understand? And, it's like, and that is so beautiful that this program has given me the gift of life. You know, to give me back. It's like, you know, it gave me a freedom that is you know, un, 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 unbelievable. How do you reconcile being the criminal, the enforcer guy, and then being the guy who gives back? Like in the beginning, like when you were so close to the other side of it, how did you reconcile the two? You, you ha- you have to. I mean, I made a deal. Let me die with these. I didn't make a deal to let me not get caught sneaking into my window and my parents. Or I made a deal to let me die with dignity. You know, and I'll say your name every day, and I'll do whatever I can for my fellow man. And it's like I've been I've held up to my deal, and he held up to his. I talked to God a couple of days ago, and I asked him, "How am I doing?" He said, "You're almost out of hell, Danny. Keep it up." Nice. And you're in the fuck when you're in that room and it says fuck God written in shit. Yeah. I mean, that's and can you still see it in your mind's eye? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like, I know, I know how far I've come and I know how far he's brought me and I know how quick I can go back. Now, my audience is in love with drug addicts, ice cream and tacos. And you yeah. happen to be a restaurateur renowned for tacos. Yeah. And I, I, we got donuts and ice cream. <laughs> and that's another thing that you say that I love when you talk about it's way easier to help somebody out with pancakes than with lectures. Is that how Absolutely. the Trejo restaurateur thing happened? 
Nine times out of ten, I go, hey, let's go eat. You know what I mean? Let's go eat, and we'll figure it out. And I think it's time I got to get going, man. But I just want to tell you, where are you at? You're in. I'm in, in New York. Uh, hey, when you're in L.A., please look me up. Trails Cantina and or Trails Tacos, and I'll, I'll take you to dinner. Oh, I would love that. I will, I will, I'm actually going to take you up on it, but thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, man. God bless you, man. Thank you. God bless you, Danny. Thank you so much. So that was, hold on. So that was Danny Trejo. Um, and I have to say that it got cut out so many times. And I was like, <laughs> when it ended, I honestly didn't think I had an interview. Like I thought it was for nothing, you know? And I sent it to uh, my video guy, this guy, Alec. And he was like, no, I think you have a good interview there. I was just so fucked up between the fuck ups that I was like, it's fucking bad. But you liked it yeah. too. Yeah. No, I thought it was great. I, I liked it when he called me Holmes. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you were like, uh, I, was, I was hoping that you were going to call me Holmes sometimes. Some Dude, <laughs> that's all you want. All you want is for a guy like a, a good vato like fucking yeah. uh, Danny <laughs> Trejo to be like Holmes, you still with yeah. me? You know that's all. That's all. That's all a young, a, a middle aged Jewish man from New York City wants in this world. Yeah, um, that's a that's a that's a win in my book. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but he has fifty three years, and like amazing, it is so funny the way um the way that goes, you know what I mean? That yeah. the way expectations go and acceptance. And I was okay, even if it was unusable, but I think in the end it was usable. And, um, you know, uh, it's funny also that, uh, Mark Marin had Danny Trejo. They also told me I couldn't put out my Danny Trejo episode until after the sixth. And I knew that Marin was going to sneak his out before, <laughs> before I did. And then like, and then like, uh, he had, um, you know, Mar or, or Danny Trejo's son, Gilbert had driven him to the, what the fuck Marin show. And, um, and, and, and Marin put Gilbert on and Gilbert is this terrible drug addict. So I like connected with Gilbert, which is cool. And he's going to come on dopey, which I'm excited about, but this is a, a classic example of, uh, anticipation or I'm sorry, ex what is it acceptance? Like we got what yep. we got. This is it. Expectations, yep. uh, being what they are. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? I don't even remember what I was going to say. Uh, I got an email kind of about you. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. It's only a little bit about you, so don't go crazy. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't blow my ego up. It's yeah. bigger than it is already. It's funny, though. It's funny. Um, hold on. It's about your, your, your predicament. Hold on. All right. Hi, Dave. I just wanted to say how much I love the podcast. I'm sure you get tons of emails now, so no worries if you don't have time to read this. I just wanted to send something to say thanks for the podcast, but I would love to get an email back from you if you have the time. I think I did. I hope I emailed this guy back. The last episode was straight fire. Uh, Skinny Vinny was a great guest. His story was really interesting, but I worried a little for him at the end of the episode. I think you heard it too. There's something about love and drugs that can be such a bad combination. 
When he mentioned he wasn't getting to meetings, I just started to think about Chris and how he neglected his program and recovery towards the end. I hope Vinny can keep it together. Give him my best. I will be thinking of him. I have listened to episodes one to 158 at least three times each. I don't know why he wow. stopped at 158. We're at, we're <laughs> at, this is episode 310, just so you know. Um, Holy shit. The episodes with you and Chris are just amazing. Your recent episodes are much slicker and the guests are better, but there's something special about you and Chris winding each other up. I still can't tell when Chris is just being genuinely stupid and when he is doing it just to fuck with you. I have moved away from my group of friends I used to party with when I was younger and listening to you and Chris is like chilling with my buddies and listening to them talk shit. Uh, I would love to see if your pilot is available online. In one of the episodes, you and Chris mentioned putting all the songs on the website. We didn't do that. This is a great idea. You should do it. Your dad is the best. So nice to hear him in the episode this week, especially giving his Warren Buffett invest for the long-term style (laughs) advice to you. Um, And then he goes on and he says, my favorite episodes were Vinny, uh, Ryan Leone. Do you know Ryan Leone? Uh, That name sounds familiar. He's a nut. Uh, uh, Brandon Novak, Malak. I know it must be super challenging to book the really dopey guests and have stories like you and Chris had in the earlier episodes and then, and can talk in a way that works on a podcast. But those three episodes were, those four episodes were perfect. Uh, I also love the Katz's Deli episode and hearing your backstory. Um, what's this guy's name? I don't know. Oh, it's John. I am married John. with two beautiful young kids. I'm in my 40s and live in the UK, in case you are interested in the demographic data. As an ex-recreational drug user with plenty of funny drug stories, I enjoy the sense of living vicariously through the stories in the podcast. I was lucky enough to be able to control my drug use, but I experienced addiction in some of my close circle of friends. So the podcast presses my emotional buttons and hits home. Anyhow, I'm a huge fan. I hope you, Linda, and the kids are staying well and your dad is enjoying life in his retirement. I think he just walked in the door. Um, keep up the good work. Stay strong and toodles for Chris, John. So what do you think, Vin? John, uh, I, first of all, I just want to say thank you, um, for those kind words and, and thank you. And I appreciate, uh, the concern and, um, yeah, it, it is definitely, uh, not a good, uh, mixture, um, with love and, and not, um, being a strong, in the program as I have been lately. And, um, and I, I really have no excuse for that, you know, and, and I try to justify it in so many different ways, but those, those justifications are bullshit really at the end of the day. Um, and, and it's, I, I just try, I, without being in the program, I, I try to, um, be in service as much as possible. And I do try, I do find ways to be in service, whatever way that may be. Um, but uh, again, John, thank you for those kind words. Well, it's also not about right or wrong. It's, it's like, I don't, I don't do any of it cause it's right or wrong. I do it for quality of life and to fuck Absolutely. up as little as possible. I think, what do you think about the idea? And I think it's something that we don't talk about very much on the show anymore, but the idea of love as a drug, you know, like when, yeah. when you're obsessed so much with something, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, obsessing over anything too much can be toxic. 
um, whether it's uh, whether it's love or or work or any sort of relationship or really anything. I, I think the key to everything is balance, and um, just to be able to find that balance between everything is the right way but like you said there is no right or wrong way to do it but i think the healthiest way is to find a balance right right if that that makes any sense it's like when when you because like i've put you know like i've put love or sex ahead of everything and i was talking to a friend of mine about it this morning and it was like i did that because i needed it to help me feel good you know what I mean? Like yeah. I knew that if I, if I got this person to like me or want to be with me, that I would feel better. Uh, I just feel better, you know, like yeah. sort of better about myself, but I would feel good. You know what I mean? It would yeah. be like I was using, you know, and it, it's, yeah. it's nuts. No, it, it is. It's, it's, it's fucking insane because I, that's kind of what I do with, with, with women and sex. And, um, I, I try to, like, yeah, I fucking love sex, but I, I think I, I'm doing it because maybe there's some sort of insecurity and and loneliness. And in the moment, it feels great. But like the second it's done, I, I'm like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like since I've been down here, like I, I've been with a bunch of women and I once they leave, like I don't even want to hang out with them after after we have sex. Like I, don't, I, I want nothing to do with them. Like, I, like they're trying to hang out and cuddle and I just don't want that. And, and that's not right for, for me to do, you know? And, and when they leave, I'm just like, dude, what am I doing with my life? And yeah, a big part of it still has to do with that fucking girl that, that I, that I wish was in my life. And, and a part of it has to do with me probably being so fucking codependent, you know? And, um, it's just <laughs> to try to, to try to fill the void with just sex and, and women and uh, it's just not healthy. Well, I think that's another, there's another piece that I wanted to talk to you about. It's like uh, after you came on the show and you went on that trip to uh, Los Angeles, you know, we were texting a little bit and you like found yourself in the craziest scene ever. Like, you know, kind of like an Instagram made scene with machine gun Kelly and, you know, Mike <laughs> Malak is there and it's like, yeah. it's like, I mean, like I have the benefit of being middle-aged and having kids and a wife and not needing, you know what I mean? Like I was never like a party guy. I was always a get high at home with the door shut and the TV on guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, I, I cannot imagine how anyone participates in young person party culture and stays sober. Like I don't get it. Yeah. Um, at first, see, I see. I don't even know if it was ever difficult for me these last three and a half years because the when, like six months into it, when um, the first time we really got to go to Bam's um, and after his crazy party, and we Bam invited us to to go out to the to the club or to the bars with him, and he he's offering to to buy me drinks, and I'm six months sober, still living in a sober living, you know, and. and and my hero, my fucking idol, my God is offering to buy me drinks. And, and I, and, and it was very easy for me to say, nah, man, I'm good. You know, only because like I, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, I wouldn't be here in this position right now 
if it wasn't for me getting sober and if I know, I know for a fucking fact that if I was to fuck, fuck that up, it's all going to disappear just as quick as it landed on my fucking lap. Right. You know? and, and you're also the kind of addict that you have a drink and it's like, I'm not saying you have a drink and you're putting liquid LSD in your eyes, but you know, <laughs> like you've gotten what you wanted and it's like, what is a drink going to do for you in that moment? Yeah, dude. Yeah. And, 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 and that trips me out too. Sometimes it's because like, like alcohol was never my fucking get down. Yeah. I drank during like high school and, and the times I did go to college and, and, uh, um, and it, dude, like just the other day, 4th of July, I'm here. All my friends, I'm seeing all my friends online fucking going out. And now that fucking the, 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 everybody's allowed to go out now and like go to clubs and bars and all these firework parties. And, I, and I'm just like, fuck, dude, like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm like, I'm here by myself. And the thought of going to get a fucking drink came in my head, but it went away really quickly. But then, and then, and then the, the, the feelings of jealousy comes into play because I'm like, fuck dude, why can't I just fucking drink? Like it's, it's bullshit. Like why, why me? You know, the whole fucking pity party thing. Like, why can't I hang out and fucking drink and, and, and get all fucked up and act like a fucking idiot. And then, and then the feeling starts to fade away. And then I'm, and then I see, see everybody getting blacked out and acting like, like, in their mid thirties fucking acting like a fucking teenager, just like, it's not a good look. And I'm just like, dude, I don't even want that anyway. You know, like what I have in the moment right now is what I've always wanted. You know, even though like there are things that I do want that I don't have yet, but I know that will come time. So when you're, so, so when you're on the precipice, cause it sounds like you were just, you were there, you know what I mean? Which yeah, is really, yeah. I think it's really, that's like one of the most important things like you talk about being of service. I think the most important thing that somebody with a little bit of time can do for anybody is say when it's, they're scared or when like, when like you considered something else. So like, so you, was this weekend that happened? What happened exactly? Yeah. It, yeah. It was the fourth. It was the night of the fourth. And I was gonna, uh, I was, I was supposed to go see the fireworks with some girl that I met on Tinder and I blew her off and, um, and, and I was just here and I, I was just like, fuck dude. Like, and then, and then I'm like, nobody would ever know, you know, like I can fucking go get a 12 pack and nobody would ever know. And, and, but then like, I, I can't like, that would eat me up inside. Is that where your mind goes though? First is if you never got down with drinking, does your mind go to the 12 pack first or does it go to get weed or does it go where? Oh no. That, that the weed and, 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 and that, side of the drugs that doesn't even entice me anymore that's like it, it's like it, it makes me think it makes me sick to my stomach just thinking about it you know but it, it's just the fact of it, it's just like coming home from a long day's work and enjoying a cold beer or going to the beach and enjoying a nice cold fucking corona with lime you know what i mean that kind of stuff going like going to a firework display with a girl and having some drinks you like know what I mean? Being it's able like, to be a normal person in America. Exactly. Yes. That's the kind of shit that turns the jealousy mode on for me. But, the, but those feelings go away pretty quickly. And I'm grateful for the, like that, that they go away quick, but they still happen. hundred percent. They still happen. And then, and, and then like when those feelings do come into play, I start thinking long-term, I'm like, fuck, like I'm going to have like, th this is going to be the rest of my life. I'm never going to be a normal person. 
to go enjoy a night out with the bros and, and have some drinks. That's, that's not even in the fucking cards for me. And it pisses me off and it makes me jealous. But like I said, those feelings of, of anger and jealousy go away pretty quickly because like those cliche sayings in AA, you'll have a life that you never even dreamed of, you know, having a life beyond your wildest dreams. You know, it's like, to me, like having a bunch of money and all these cars and gold and whatever, that's not, that was never my wildest dreams. My wildest dreams were like relationships with my family, relationships with my friends and being content and yeah, not having to worry about bills and shit. Yeah. That comes into play too. But it's like, I I'm living that right now, you know? So for me to make them to fuck up and just ruin that, it's just, it doesn't really make sense. See, my fear, my fear used to be, how could I possibly enjoy my life? Like, like imagining all that and then not being able to get high with, yeah, it. Yeah, you know, that yeah, was, totally. that, that was my fear. Um, yeah. I said, I said that in the last episode that we did was the fear of being miserable sober. Like that, that scared me to get sober because like, why would I want to fucking be miserable and be sober when I could just get loaded and, and forget about being miserable? You know, like, but that's what I'm trying to make my brand is like, and, and trying to show people that, like life doesn't have to be fucking boring. Like it doesn't have to not be fun. Right. Right. The answer to my own question comes, you know, it's in a cliche in itself. And I, I always hated the cliches, but the cliche that really applies to this is like, you do it a day at a time. You do it a minute at a time. And, and only, and only in that, like today I had fun, you know what I mean? Like I had fun today and I didn't get high. And like, Every day I, I wind up having fun. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. if I imagine a million days of contentment and beach and like going to see yeah. a band and not getting high, it's like, what the fuck? That, that, like when Pete, for some reason, and this is a weird thing, when people ask me about Jazz Fest in New Orleans, like uh-huh. I get pissed. I'm like, I'm not going to Jazz Fest because like I want to get stoned while I'm waiting. That's my dad's fucking phones. Um, I want to, I want to be able to get stoned while I wait online to see a show. That's my, like, I don't want to wait for the concert. I don't want to wait for the multiple acts at jazz fest without me being able to like chill and get stoned. That's my, and it's like, that's again, you're projecting, you know what I mean? On some concert that you've never been to. And I'm projecting on waiting to see an act. Like it's the weirdest, like it's the weirdest fucking shit. But like, yeah. if you take it in your stride and you live your life and you have fun, the proof is there. Yeah. Do yeah. you agree? You're with me. I, I, I'm a hundred percent with you. Yeah. I fucking agree. And it's, it's true, man. It's, it's like, I, I mean, I, I do consider myself lucky as far as like my dream of landing on my lap and being able to run with that and, and just to make it grow and, it, it only landed in your lap in that you open the sober living door and this dude who does what you want to do is there. Everything else you did. Totally. Yeah. You yeah. do it. You, it's just cause you, it's like I could walk into a room with Zach ass and I'd never think about strapping a punching glove to a car and running it into someone's <laughs> testicles. It would never yeah. come to me. I would never do yeah. it. It's just like somebody yeah. being jealous of me having a podcast. It's like, I only yeah. have a podcast cause I make a podcast, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like nobody, it's like, I only do it because I do it. And it's the same yeah. thing with any. And it also makes me think like, like what would have happened if I opened that door to the sober living and Zach wasn't there, you know, like what the fuck? Like, like, 
I've been this, I, dude, I've been to countless amounts of sober livings and detoxes and inpatient rehabs, like so many. And I was never like, and Zach ass was never in another one. Yeah. 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 And and, and like, I I think about that all the time, dude, like what if that shit didn't, wasn't there, it didn't present itself at that time, you know? And, and, And because it was what really pushed it for me was that gave me a purpose. And that purpose just happened to be my dream. Right. And, and I, and I wake up every day and I'm like, Holy shit, like I have a purpose and I, I have, I have a, a fun life now, you know, like, so it's, it's a, it's a whole mind fuck. So the, the, I, no, I'm with you. And, and I, I think it's, and like you managed to get through that moment of hating your, your fourth and you didn't go on the date. So like what, how yeah. is Tinder in Texas? How's dating? You know, let me live vicariously through you for a second. Um, so I, I, I mean, it's been super easy. It's like, my, my pickup line, my, my one, my first one liners are very straight to the point. Like, no, I'm not wasting anybody's time. And it's kind of, it's kind of raunchy, but it works 95% of the time. What's the line? <laughs> um, sit on my face and I'll eat my way to your heart. Wow. Okay. So someone's like, <laughs> someone says, what's up? And you say, sit on my face and I'll eat my way to your heart. Yeah. Is that how it goes? That's how it goes. Yeah. And then what? Yeah. And then we plan on meeting. They either come here or I go. Well, do they the laugh? Do they write ha ha ha? Do they write yeah. LOL? What happens? Yeah. 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 Like but most of the time they laugh. And there are some cases where they don't find that very funny and they find it fucking disgusting. And like, I, I personally wouldn't want to be with a girl who like, with like a, not a sense of humor like that. You know what I mean? Um, so it kind of like weans them out, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and then, yeah, we, I go from there and, and then like, they, they're like, ha ha ha, LOL, LOL, that's funny. And I'm like, no, seriously, like I'll eat my way straight to your heart. So you do, you, know? you do it over and over. You're relentless with that line. Uh, oh yeah. You don't okay. circle I, around I, and say I'm normal no. and I'm fun and I'm whatever. You no. just keep and, and, going. And, and I, and yeah, I just keep it going. And then my, my, my pictures on my dating apps are all like my ridiculous pictures. Like my, my Thanksgiving day picture where I was in a tur- half naked in a turkey costume. You know what I mean? Like, or, or, um, our, my Valentine's day picture where I was in a tub naked filled with candy. You know what I mean? So it's like, they, just from those pictures, they get an idea of like, okay, this dude isn't normal, <laughs> but he kind of looks fun. Let me swipe right and see what, what he's about. You know? <laughs> right. It, they, they're like, this could be fun. And they, can they see your videos on the, on the profile? Um, no, no, I don't have any videos on there, but like those pictures that I do have up, like those are pretty viral pictures, like Inc magazine picked them up a bunch of other places have picked them up. So those pictures went pretty viral. So like I've, I've even gotten like, Oh, I've seen this picture in Inc magazine before. You know what I mean? Like I've even gotten like, Oh, you're fucking, I've gotten this twice. Oh, I know who you are. You're fucking skinny. You know what I mean? Like I've gotten that twice, you know? So it's like, so I, I kind of use that to my advantage, like a piece of shit. And how, how, like, how alcoholically are you dating? Like, are you like tindering constantly? Like, um, I was, yeah. Um, yeah, you was like, like, like five minutes ago when you had the phone in your hand was, or like yesterday or like what? So I, I really have really cut it down the past couple of weeks. Um, just because like, dude, I'm, I'm, I don't really like it anymore. I, I don't like sleeping around like that anymore it's um yeah i i at first like i was taking advantage of it because 
like before I got sober, I never really had the confidence and um, to really go for it. And these past three years, three and a half years, I've gotten laid more times. I, like I've gotten laid more times this past year than I have my whole life, you know? So I, I, I'm really like taking advantage of what I have and, and my confidence. And, and, and I, I'm just like, I, I'm like doing what I've been wishing that I could do my whole fucking life. You know, my whole life, I, like I, I, I got girls, but I was always a, a big fucking dude that didn't really get as many girls as my, all my friends did. You know what I mean? So it's like now I'm like really taking advantage of it. And, and it's not, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but well, no, you're you know? making, and my mother used to say, you got to make hay while the sun is still shining. You know exactly. what I mean? You, you have an opportunity yeah. and it's like, it's a weird axiom where like, where the nexus where confidence and opportunity meet and all of a yeah. sudden it's like famous people get crazy sex and it's like yeah you know you're not steve-o anti-semitic famous but you're like <laughs> you're on your way you know and yeah. like enjoy it but obviously you know it sounds like you have a good head on your shoulders that's going to eat eat its way through uh yeah yes. yeah i i'm just i'm just I'm, I'm really getting over it you know and um maybe the, that girl has a part uh, a part in it but it's just like it's just not fun to me, but I keep like, I, like I I've said this to myself so many times, like I've deleted the app so many times in the past year where I'm just like, all right, I'm over it. Like I'm, I'm done going chasing it, you know? And then like a couple months later I'm back on it and then going fucking full force again, you know? Um, this, I, I'm saying the same thing that I say every other time, but this time it kind of feels different because it's, it's just like, I'm exhausted. I'm, I, I just, it's not fun anymore, but I crave attention. I crave fucking, I, I crave human affection. I crave sex. I, I, you know what I mean? It's no, I get it. I, mean, I, I, I had a period on dating apps and I wasn't sober in that period. So I really didn't do it soberly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I get it. So like, I think it, it must be, it's gotta be, I remember I was using and I, I went on a date once with a sober woman and she was just like, you're bugging out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she could tell that yeah. I was using the app like alcoholically. Yeah. yeah. When I did, when I was, when I was strung out, I didn't give a fuck to have sex. I think there was like a point in my life where it was like four years where I didn't, I just didn't care for it. I didn't want it. I, all, all I cared about was just getting high, you know? Like, so, so now it's, it's like now being this, the, like who I am and the, the, the confidence be there. It's like, uh, so the wheels fall off. <laughs> well, it sounds like, sounds like a lot of lessons, right? Fucking, yeah. It's exciting, yeah. dude. When are you going back to California? What's the plan? August, the end of August. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, the end of this month, the end of this month. All right, good. So good. So yeah. then you've got something to look forward to. Like I found like the best and I still find it like, as long as there's something coming like yeah no there, there's there's some things in the works uh, uh me and tom we, we we got that sober living um i, I kind of mentioned it in the last episode while i was reading that letter but um we're naming the house randall's house after uh our late best friend john randall and um we we just got the uh the um the um what's it called the certification go ahead no not no not not, no, not the certification no, what's the the fucking um, whatever? But we we just got a, a bunch of things that we needed to get, um, like credentials. And, yeah, yeah. And what Tom doesn't know yet is I'm going to be flying east 
in September. I'm surprising him so we could go to John's grave in upstate New York um, because neither of us have been to the grave yet. We didn't. Neither of us went to the funeral because I was strung out on the streets. Tom was locked up. And we made a promise to each other that we weren't going to go unless it was we did it together for the first time. And so I'm flying out there in September to surprise Tom so we can make the trip up to um, to see his grave. But what if he listens to the show and now the surprise is ruined? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, then I just fucked myself up. <laughs> Where is he buried upstate? Uh, I don't know the exact – off the top of my head, I don't know. Um, I have this uh, – this girl is setting everything up for me. Like she's buying my plane ticket and um, she's going to be picking me up from the airport and shit like that. Yeah. My friend, my friend Todd is buried upstate and I think about going out to uh, visit his grave. Uh, I think I'll do it this summer. Cause we're going to be upstate. We, we go up to my, my, my dad's opulent lake house in August. So I think <laughs> I will go visit Todd's grave then. Um, dude, maybe, well, maybe while, while I'm out there, maybe we can link up and get a live episode. Dude. You know, hundred percent. You come down to the, you come down to the the Big Apple, or come out to Long Island. A hundred percent. I haven't, dude. I haven't been to New York City in a long fucking time. It'll be fun. Yeah. All right. Definitely. A hundred percent. All right. Is there any? Is there anything else you'd like to announce before we we call it? Um. No. I mean, it, uh, I, I appreciate all the love and support from the Dopey Nation. I'm on the Facebook page now too. And. Um, oh yeah, dude. Talk about you know you did the Dopey Zoom. You went to on the dopey zoom. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I did the, the dopey zoom while I was at work. <laughs> Dude, and, uh, fucking Vinny's at work, and he works in treatment. And uh, <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, I was excited that Vinny was going to be the special guest on the dopey zoom, dopey Patreon zoom. And he's like standing there, literally handing out pickles and crackers to the fucking <laughs> residents. <laughs> And like, we're like doing the zoom meeting and he's like, you want a pickle? You want a cracker? Who wants a pickle? Who wants a cracker? And it was like, holy shit. It was like, that's real life, right? That's the fucking thing now. Yeah. And no one in the facility has heard of dopey, right? Um, well now that I, I handed out some of the stickers. Yes. Yeah. So some of them, those people now have heard of dopey. Yeah, those people have now heard of Dopey. Yeah, yeah, dude, it, it's a it's a trip working in that kind of uh, environment because it's it's a it's a state run place. Um, it's very hospital setting like tile floors, you know, always cold. Um, reminds me of all the places that I went to in Connecticut. You know, like this place holds maybe a hundred and fifty people. Um, it's a detox inpatient, and it's also a sober living. It used to be the old Ramada Inn back in the eighties. Um, that's weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy because like when I left Connecticut to go to LA, when I was in LA, I started going to all these privately owned places that like have chefs and fucking clean your bedroom and, and wipe your ass for you. And you're sitting on a gold toilet and like all this shit, you know? And, and I kind of forgot what these state run places were like. Even though I've been to so many of them in Connecticut, it's but it, real. Dude, it all it, it all seems like a fucking pipe dream, dude. It all seems like a bad fucking dream of all these places that I went to, right? But when I got to this place, when when I started working in this place, you know, it's like when I when I have my lunch break, I go, I, I have my ticket, and I go wait in line for lunch. And when I was in the when I was in line for lunch, I started having all these flashbacks of me with my socks on and my 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 scrubs waiting for lunch. 
And it was so fucking trippy, man. It, it was like, and it, it really made me appreciate where I'm at right now. Right. And, and the places that I went through in LA and, and, and it really start, started to make me think like, okay, now that I'm going to be opening my own place, I could really see things that could be done differently and things that need improvement and, and, and things that I don't agree with. And, you know, and, and I, I I'm a, I'm a, like, I could run things the way that I want it to be run, you know, and may, and create a program that I think that like how it was ran when I was a client, when I stayed sober, I'm going to implement those kind of things too. You know, and it, it's like, it's really fucking heartbreaking seeing like vets come in, like homeless vets come in and like, I give them a, a pillow, like a stained pillow and a, and a blanket that has holes in it. You know, it's, it sucks, dude. Well, but still, I mean, they get a place to stay and like, yeah. And yeah, maybe no, they get something absolutely. out of it. You know, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, I mean, like it's a trip, you know what I mean? I, I went to speak at a spot, uh, I want to say two months ago, uh, at a public detox in Long Island. And I was like, Oh my God, I was so excited to go. Right. I was yeah. so excited to go. And yeah. I was so excited to leave. Like the fact that I could walk out of that place yeah. And, and they can wave goodbye and say, thank you so much for coming. And I wasn't like, yeah. maybe I, you know, like leaving. It was just the fucking feeling freedom and knowing that yeah. I had been in that spot. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, it's an amazing feeling. It really is like having, like I, I was thinking about that the other day, dude, like I, I have that, the circle thing with all the keys to all the doors on, right? It, you know? And I'm just like, holy shit. Like I'm in charge of all these people, like 150 people. I'm, I'm, when I was working in treatment in LA, dude, I was, I, I, I'm used to working with 20 people tops, you know, and, and to be on the other side of the fence now, it's like really makes me appreciate and really humble. It humbles myself. You know, it, it really makes me humble myself. And they trust you. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is the coolest part. Thank you, Vinny. You are a pleasure. Thank you, Danny Trejo, for coming through. I'm sure Danny Trejo is going to be listening to this, so let's thank Danny. Yeah, Danny, thank you. You're uh, definitely an inspiration in my book. Absolutely, and I and I'm, I'm if that invitation to dinner stands, I will be going to Danny's cantina. <laughs> so. Yes, yeah, guys, uh, Dopey Nation. Thank you again for having me on. I hope we could uh, continue to make this. Uh, Don't thank um, them. You thank me. I'm in charge. Yeah. Of this <laughs> You're thanking them for. Give me a break. No, I know. I'm, I'm thanking the nation just for the, yes, the yes, amount of, of love that I received. Yes, of course. Uh, Dave, Dave, thank I you. thank you for You're having welcome. me on once, once again. My pleasure. Um, and just a quick plug for myself. Please. Uh, it, uh, follow me on Instagram, SkinnyVinny666. Yes. Follow me on TikTok, SkinnyVinny666. Yes. Twitter, uh, Twitter is at ImperatiVinny. Um, you don't use Twitter. Have, you never use Twitter. I, I'm trying to use it more. I'm trying to. Maybe and, you can teach um, me how to do it. I'm so bad. Yeah. At it. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And and we, I have we have some projects coming up very soon, um, and, and I, I I've been writing a lot. So there's there's some things in the pipeline for sure. Excellent. So why don't you take us out with you know how to end the show? Do I know how to end the show? Yeah. Toodles for Chris. Let's clap of it. You say stay strong, dopey nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. And Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and tools for Chris. And thank you, Vin. Thanks, guys. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. 
Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad I want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this aeroplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had and my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I wanna be good so bad Wanna be good so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had these suckers make me mad and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had 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 and these suckers make me mad and it's all I ever had and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had and it's all I ever had and it's all I ever had